Let's talk about stealth microbes. That's a great idea, Sue. And we have a wonderful guest here, Dr. Bill Rawls, who is an expert. Dr. Bill? Uh, thank you. Yes. Um, we all have them. Yes, what, what, what are these? What are they? What are these? What is a stealth <laughs> microbe? It sounds ninja. We all have microbes. Um, we have somewhere on the level of 100 trillion microbes that we share with our bodies, and they have thousands of different species. We pick up most of those microbes from our mother and, and from the immediate environment when, when we're uh, early on. And we call that whole collection of microbiome, microbes our microbiome. Um, a lot of these microbes are uh, in the gut and on the skin and other body orifices. Uh, but you, kind of, you find them misplaced other places from time to time. Um, but when you think about any microbe, you've got to ask, what does it want? Um, what does it want? What do these microbes want from us? And they want resources. And if we have a really balanced relationship with them, um, they get resources. We allow them to survive. And sometimes they, they don't either harm us or provide some benefits, like preventing us from getting other microbes that might be harmful. Is that um, where the terms friendly bacteria and unfriendly bacteria comes from? Right. But they're not really that friendly. They're not that friendly. Um, okay. you know, they're, they're all opportunist, right? Um, I mean, you think about it, when you pass on, your body decomposes very rapidly, and it's not microbes from your surrounding environment, it's the microbes in your body, no longer contained by your immune system that break your body down very, very rapidly. Um, so they're not necessarily all our friends, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a relationship with them that dates back millions of years. Um, so... All of these microbes have a certain amount of aggressiveness. All microbes do. And in trying to use us as a host, um, they, they can do harm. So our friendly flora, flora are the things that we have such a long relationship with that our immune system keeps them completely contained. But if they get out of place or our immune system goes down, even our friendly flora can get out of place and cause pneumonia and a number of other kinds of conditions. But our, our microbiome isn't static. We are constantly adding to it through tick bites, mosquito bites, bug bites, flea bites, intimate contact with other people, food, drink. They're constantly microbes trying to use us as a host. And if it's a really imbalanced relationship, we get very, very sick very, very acutely, i.e. Ebola virus. Ebola um, is a virus that stays isolated in a uh, spider in Africa. And when that spider occasionally bites a bat and the bats get sick and if kids happen to be playing under the tree and humans get it, it spreads like wildfire because we have no defenses. But when you look at things that we're exposed to on an everyday basis through bug bites and everything else, we know these microbes. We've been having this tug of war with them for thousands of years. So when you look at ticks especially, ticks can carry hundreds of different microbes that can infect us. Any tick bite, microbes do enter your system. This idea that some ticks carry the microbe that causes Lyme disease and you only get sick if you happen to get that microbe is really pretty absurd. Every tick bite, some microbes enter your body.
But because we have such a long relationship, I mean, you think about it, ticks have been biting humans since they've been humans, and ticks are a perfect vehicle for transmitting microbes. We know these things. As soon as they enter our body, the, uh, the immune system is hot on their tail. But they're very, these things that we call stealth microbes, they're sneaky. Um, <laughs> and they do things that outwit our immune system just to maintain a presence, because that's what all they have to do. They don't really have to make us ill to complete their mission. All they need to do is use some resources in our body long enough to move on to another host. Tick bite, mosquito, yeah, sexual contact, whatever, all right? Um, so they're, they're there, and, and we get them, and if our immune system is robust, we may carry them for many, many years without knowing it. But if your immune system isn't up to par, that's when you start having this tug of war that they start uh, manipulating your system. So stealth microbes, some characteristics. They have the ability to live inside cells and they infect white blood cells. That's how they get around. They infect white blood cells. They turn off the ability of the cell to recognize uh, to be recognized as abnormal and destroy the microbes inside. They care, are distributed to diffuse areas throughout the body, and they use that white blood cell to generate cytokines, to call in more, in more white blood cells that generates inflammation and breaks down tissues. A lot of these microbes like collagen. So you typically, so they go to an area where there's collagen, they generate inflammation that breaks down the tissue, and, um, and it can cause symptoms. So in Lyme disease, one of the, you know, your symptoms are where there's collagen. Uh, collagen in the brain, the eyes, the skin, the joints, the muscles, and the heart. Um, and that's true of a lot of other stealth microbes. They don't occur in high concentrations. So it's more the manipulation of the immune system that makes people sick than the actual concentration of the microbes. It's not like pneumonia where it's concentrated in one place. It's everywhere in the body in very, very low concentrations. It grows very slowly, which makes it very, very resistant to antibiotics. So, so those are key characteristics. Grows very slowly, low concentrations distributed throughout the body, can live inside cells, and has all kinds of just crazy ways of manipulating the immune system to stay just one step ahead so it can hang around long enough until that another tick comes along, and then it can hop aboard that tick, and then it's completed its mission. And that's all it really wants to do. Making you still ill or killing you is not its goal. So we're just like a Hotel 6 for these guys. You got it. That's it. So, <laughs> so it sounds to me like the best and healthiest solution to your hotel option is to have a healthy immune system, right? Absolutely. It's, um, a, you know, I, I think as our testing gets better, we're going to find that most people are carrying stealth microbes. Some are worse than others, you know. Uh, Borrelia, the microbe that's associated with Lyme disease, is not a choice one to have. But I think there are an awful lot of people that are walking around with it that aren't sick. Um, but who knows how much of that everyday arthritis and all the things that we get that, that add up as we age that are possibly this process with this going on in the background. So keeping our immune system healthy, uh, eating well, keeping our stress level down, uh, non 
stressful or destructive exercise that generates endorphins. And of course, taking lots of herbal therapy is the best way that we can protect ourselves. Is there any specific term that herbalists should be looking for while they are doing the research on their herbs, on which herbs they want to be using? Um, Like, for instance, antimicrobial. But is there anything specific that you recommend they keep an eye out for? To help them with their research? Yeah. Okay. There are a lot of herbs that have antimicrobial or immune-modulating properties, and we're fortunate there because, you know, the plants are having to uh, generate these substances to protect themselves. Um, That's an interesting thing about plants and plant medicine. Uh, Most of it is coming from the plant itself. Um, and, and it's generating it to protect itself from these same kinds of microbes. So when you look at antimicrobial substance, it's not one substance. It's a whole spectrum of things against a very, very wide range of microbes. But suppressive, you know, I wouldn't have treated an acute pneumonia with, uh, with herbal therapy. I'd put the person in the hospital and give them IV antibiotics. But some of my favorite antimicrobial herbs are a cat's claw, uh, andrographis, there's uh, one from South America called, called Anamu that I really like. Wait, what, um, how do you spell it? Anamu, A-N-A-M-U. It's a great herb. Um, but there are many, many herbs from all of the traditions around the world. All of them have some very good antimicrobial. And then the immune modulators, uh, the adaptogens, um, some of the most and 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 some of the best are the mushrooms. Um, reishi and cordyceps are some of my favorite. They're the most researched, but any of your mushrooms are going to have immune modulating properties that reduce those inflammatory cytokines and basically take away the ability of the microbe to cause damage. Nice. Wow. Thank you very much. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication. Or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem, the questions case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.